0: stepped onto the battlefield and faced the giant Goliath to show us that there are battles that although they're big, they're worth fighting. Today, our focus is on the giant called hurt and pain inside of us. We'll be learning how to defeat this giant in our lives. This message is the fourth in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Pain, Part 4. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, your notes as we get ready to study this morning. Continuing our series together entitled Gigantic. We're talking about how to overcome giants in our lives. What does it mean to overcome giants? And what are some of the giants? that we have to overcome. And of course, the last several weeks prior to Easter, we've been talking about a giant called pain, a giant called soul pain. We're going to continue with that theme this weekend. And by the way, next weekend, we move to a different giant. So we have hopefully slayed or at least gone after the giant called soul pain. And next weekend, we're going to talk about the giant called anger. And I'm sure that none of you have to deal with that giant ever in your life but I want you to be back anyway because maybe you know someone that has this issue and you can help them with it, all right? So make sure that you're back next weekend. First Samuel chapter 17 gives us the story of David and Goliath. You know the story well and how David stood up against Goliath and how Goliath was intimidating the armies of Israel and how David made the choice to rise up in faith and go against Goliath. And of course, we all know the story of how Goliath fell, not because of David's strength or power, but because God was with him. And God allowed him to slay this giant And all of us have different kind of giants in our lives, things that live on the inside of us that keep us from being everything that God wants us to be. And one of those giants, as we've talked about, is a giant called soul pain, hurting on the inside. There are a lot of people that go about life, and they may even be smiling on the outside. If you look at them externally, you would think that their life is all together, everything is going well. But somewhere inside, they're hurting. They're hurting from maybe a sense of abandonment that they've had in life, rejection that's come their way. Maybe they're going through some pain that's happened because some relationship has been kind of abusive to them, painful. It's broken their heart in some way. Maybe they're just disappointed about how their life has turned out. But on the inside, they're hurting and hurting deeply. And again. Nobody in the whole world may even know what's going on, but they carry this pain inside of them, and this pain restricts them. It keeps them from being all that they could be, and God loves people who are hurting. God loves all people, and He loves us when we're hurting. He cares about the broken, hurting places in our lives, and God is a broken a healer of broken hearts. Aren't you glad He's that kind of God? And He cares about the pain in your life. He really does. He's very concerned about the soul pain, the heart pain that all of us carry in us, and as we've been talking about over the last several weeks together, God wants to put us on a journey to overcoming this giant called soul pain, this giant called a hurting heart. We talked about the importance of naming your pain. What is the name of the pain inside of you? Can you put a name on it? We talked about coming to an awareness of how this pain is having some kind of impact on your life. What's it doing to you? We talked about getting angry at your pain, realizing that your pain is really limiting you and you need to do something about it, that you're not going to continue living as you have lived in the past. We talked the last time we were together prior to Easter about asking God for help and beginning to call on Him and asking Him to do some things in your life that will put you in a position to receive that healing. And today I'm going to talk to you about two more things as we wrap up this theme of the giant called Soul pain, two more things you must do if you're going to overcome soul pain in your life. Let me share the first of those two with you. The first thing today that we must do as we're talking about getting to that pathway of overcoming soul pain is we have to learn to follow God's instructions in our lives. Follow God's instructions. I've, uh, over the years, I don't do it anymore because of my schedule, but over the years I've done a lot of counseling. In fact, a lot of my background is in counseling. And uh, I know what it is to sit down with people and have them to tell me their story. And I've heard lots of different stories. And the kind of stories that I've heard over the years are, are, are very sad stories, very painful stories that I've heard from many folks describing the kind of experiences they've gone through in life. And talking about pain can be therapeutic. Talking about your pain can help you to begin to get some awareness of what you're going through. In fact, it's valuable at times to be able to process pain by communicating about it. However, talking about your pain will not cure you from your pain. Talking about your pain maybe is a step in the process, but talking is not enough. At some point in time, you have to move beyond that if you will, first base of talking and begin to move towards some kind of productive action. That is, you have to come to the place of being able to take responsibility for the pain that's in your life. Not that you necessarily caused your own pain, but what you will do with the pain that you've experienced. And what responsible steps will you take? And God is a God that helps us not just to listen to our problems. He loves to listen to your problems. God will listen to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. He's a good listener, isn't He? But God doesn't just listen to your problems and care about your problems. God wants to put you on a pathway so that you can actually get some resolution to them. God wants you to do some things that will help you to take the responsible steps necessary to live beyond your pain. And one of the things that God will do in your healing process is that God will oftentimes, usually in fact, give you some instructions, give you some commandments. If you're dealing with a certain area of pain in your life, God says, okay, if you want to be whole, if you want to be well, if you want this pain to be resolved, I'm going to ask you to do the following things. And He gives us commands that we have to follow, and in following them, we find our healing. You see, all throughout the Bible, this illustrated by the many miracles that Jesus did even in the physical realm with people. Quite often when he was healing someone physically, before he would heal them, he would ask them to do something. He would engage them in the process. And so you are a part of the process. God wants to engage you in the process of your own healing. Let me take you to John, John chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. We'll look at a story there that describes, uh, I think helps us to see, we might say, some of this cooperative effort that God calls all of us to in this healing process. The story takes place in Jerusalem during Jesus' earthly ministry. It takes place at an at a area in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda. You can go actually to Jerusalem today And go to the ruins of the pool of Bethesda. And see those ruins that still exist. The pool of Bethesda was a place where sick folks would gather. People who were in need would gather there. And the basic idea was that there would be certain times of the year and seasons when the angels would come down down and stir up the waters there at the Pool of Bethesda. And those that would get into the waters when they were stirred by the angels would receive healing. And so there were lots of people waiting around the pool hoping to get well, wanting to be healed from their various maladies. And here we find Jesus coming to the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. Let me read to you part of this story. One who was there, that is at the pool of Bethesda, as Jesus now approaches to that particular site... One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now that word for invalid means to be simply ill or sick. It means to actually be weak. One of the translations actually says weakened. What we see here is he was a paralyzed man. He was an invalid and this was not a short-term illness. He had been sick this way for 38 years. For almost four decades of his life, he had had this problem. That's a long time to carry on an illness, isn't it? When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, and notice the question that Jesus asked, read it with me, do you want to get well? Now, doesn't that seem like a strange question to you? It's always struck me a bit as, as somewhat of a strange question because after all, here is the man at the pool of Bethesda where people get healed. And so Jesus comes to this very place and he asks the man what seems to be kind of a rhetorical question. Do, do, you, do you want to get well? Would you like to be healed? Would you be, like to be made whole? Now, why did Jesus ask this question of this man? I believe there are a number of different reasons we could talk about that uh, we don't have time to talk about today, but let me bring one to your attention. I believe part of the reason that Jesus asked the man this question, do you want to be well, is that Jesus was setting him up to understand that he had to cooperate in the process, that if you want to be well, there's something you're going to have to do in cooperation with me so the healing can happen in your life. Let's see what the man says here in his response. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in someone else goes down ahead of me now please stop there for a moment and think about what the guy said Jesus said do you want to get well you want to get well the man said I don't have anybody to help me in other words I am helpless I can't do anything for myself I don't have any ability to do anything that's going to make my life any different he had given in to hopelessness and helplessness And that's part of what Jesus wanted to raise him out of, out of his hopelessness and out of his helplessness that Jesus said, do you want to get well? I want you to engage with me in this process. Now, notice verse number eight, and I want you to see then Jesus' response to him. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, think about this for a moment. Here was a guy that hadn't walked for 38 years, and what does Jesus tell him to do? Get up and walk. Now, again, this seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Why would Jesus come and say, hey, first of all, do you want to get well, buddy? Well, I don't have anybody to help me. I'm kind of helpless and hopeless. Jesus, hey... Take up your mat, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, this man had never walked for 40, almost 40 years, but now in this situation, Jesus is asking him to exert some effort. He's asking him to do something that will make him responsible as a part of the process of his own healing. And I want you to understand something in your life. It's important for all of us to grasp. Your healing is not just going to happen by you sitting back somewhere and hoping that God will come down from heaven and zap you in some way and bring about some healing inside of your life it's going to happen as you do what Jesus asks you to do as this man did what Jesus asked him to do as impossible as it seemed would you agree it seemed pretty impossible to get up and walk right But as as impossible as it seemed, as this man did what Jesus asked him to do, it was in his obedience that the healing came. Now, there are many, many other stories. This is just one that I happen to use uh, to illustrate my point today. But there are many other stories in the Bible that draw back to this very same conclusion that God wants us to be involved in the process of our own healing. He wants us to bear some responsibility. He wants us to obey him, and the obedience to his command will come the healing for our lives. Now, there are lots of different things that Jesus may ask you to do in the process of you becoming whole. A lot of different things He may require of you. I'm not here today to try to create a a laundry list, an exhaustive list of all the different kinds of things that Jesus may ask you to do as a part of your healing. But I do want to talk today about one thing I am sure He will ask you to do if you're going to be whole. If you're going to be well, I will guarantee you there's one thing that you're going to have to obey Jesus regarding, and that one thing involves one word. It's called forgiveness. Would you say that word with me? Forgiveness. If you don't step into the obedience level of forgiveness, you will never experience healing in your heart. You'll never be restored on the inside because God's healing streams in your life always flow through what I would call the waters called forgiveness. You can't get to forgiveness without swimming through the waters called, you can't get to healing without swimming through the waters called forgiveness. It is the pathway, an essential part of the pathway to your wholeness in your heart. And forgiveness cannot happen without your engagement. You have to be involved. You have to obey a command to enter into forgiveness. Now, there are three types of forgiveness that you and I have to experience if your heart is going to be healed from soul pain you have to first of all receive God's forgiveness in your life you second of all have to learn how to forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made and thirdly you have to learn how to forgive other people so you receive God's forgiveness you forgive yourself and you forgive others if you don't understand these three things but more importantly than understanding them if you don't do them okay everybody say do see knowing about them is not enough you have to Do them. If you don't do these three things, experience these three things, you're never going to have healing in your heart. First of all, you have to receive forgiveness from God. Here is is a point I want to start with today. A lot of us in our lives, the reason we're carrying around pain inside of us is because our pain is linked to something we did at some point in time in our life that we feel horrible about right now. We look back on it, we say, wow, how could I ever have done that? I am so, fill in the blank there, ashamed of myself. I feel so much shame. When I think back on that, I am flushed with embarrassment about the fact that I even did that thing in my life. And so it kind of pops up from time to time. And when it pops up, I feel this horrible feeling and I try to push it down and and I live my life. Many of you could say I live my life with this ongoing kind of repressed or suppressed guilt about stuff that I've done. And God never intended for for you to carry guilt with you your entire life. So you're not made to bear the burden of guilt. Guilt has one purpose and one purpose only in our lives it's to lead us to God. Okay? Your guilt was never meant to be something you carried. It is way too heavy for you to carry. And guilt has destroyed a lot of people because it eats away like like cancer on the inside of us. And what I want to remind you of today is that when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, we celebrated it last weekend and Good Friday and of course Easter Sunday as well. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, what happened there on the cross of Calvary is that God put the punishment for all of our sins over on Jesus and he said, look, all you need to do to experience forgiveness is to come and put your faith in Jesus Christ and he will freely give you a gift called forgiveness. And that's not just a one-time thing that he does for you, it's something that is an ongoing offer of Jesus because even after I came to know Christ, I still need to be forgiven. How about you, right? Have you messed up since you got to know Jesus? Yes, you have. You know you have, okay? Probably already today at some point you've messed up, all right? and we all mess up from time to time and when we mess up we feel that sting on the inside of I messed up I feel so bad about that I said something I shouldn't say I thought something I should not have thought I did something I shouldn't have done and we feel that sting of guilt and that's that motivation that should cause you to run back to the cross and say Jesus I confess my sins to you knowing that you're faithful and just and you will forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and so you receive the gift of God's forgiveness. and I'm here today to proclaim to you not on my authority but on the authority of God's Word and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If you've come to Jesus and if you've made confession of your sins to him I, in honest and honesty and sincerity, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has forgiven you, He's washed your sins away. He does not remember those things that you've done. He's cleansed you from all unrighteousness and you no longer have to carry that guilt in your soul you can be healed from that weight of guilt and shame in your life you don't need to carry it anymore I thought that would get a little hallelujah at least a little one okay or a little thank God something right there right but here's the next thing you know the reason that we're not always as excited about that as we should be is because while God forgives us many times we don't forgive ourselves God says, I forgave you, but then we, we keep beating ourselves up on the inside. We st- keep saying, well, boy, you're really dumb. You're really stupid. Why did you do something like that? Peter had that problem. Peter messed up big time. Peter, at the time that Jesus needed him the most, denied the Lord three times. Not one time, but three times. Peter said, I don't know you. don't know you. don't know you. Runs out of the courtyard. Jesus looks at him. Peter runs away, weeping bitterly. That's massive failure, folks, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that, really. When Jesus, your master and savior, needed you there in the moment and you say, I don't even know you, three times, and you run out on your master, that's big time failure. And Peter struggled with this and struggled with his guilt And it's interesting, and I don't have time to tell you the story today. You can read about it in John chapter 21. After Jesus' resurrection, Jesus went back to Galilee, and he met with the disciples, particularly with Peter, and he ministered to Peter restoration. Do you remember how how many times did Peter deny the Lord? Three times. And, and, and there was a day that Jesus came to Peter and he asked Peter a question, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, I love you. And do you happen to remember how many times Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? He asked him the question three times because he wanted to wipe out of Peter's memory all the recollection of his failure. And I want you to know today that Jesus Christ wants to wipe out of your memory, your mindset, all the recollection of your failures. He wants you to know that you are free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But there's another kind of forgiveness you have to experience. You forgive, receive God's forgiveness and you say, okay, I'm going to forgive myself. But then you have to do something with the forgiveness you've received if you're going to be whole. You have to obey God by forgiving other people. And this is really, really tough. Because, see, we want mercy for ourselves and judgment for others. We want grace for ourselves and retaliation for others, don't we? Oh, God, give me grace, but get him. Okay? (laughs) See, we, we never say it that way, but is that not the way we live? Oh, God, I need your grace, I need your forgiveness, but, but God, don't be too nice to my enemies, okay? Really make them suffer, Okay? That's the mindset we have, but God says, no, I can't operate that way in your life. If you want the fullness of my anointing, if you want the fullness of my purpose to be fulfilled in your life, you've got to do something with the forgiveness I've given you. You have to now give it away in the same way I gave it to you. Notice uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Would you read it together with me? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now circle that phrase there, get rid of. Actually, the original Greek term that's used there is where we get our English word airplane from. It means to fly it away. Let it go. Let it be gone from your life. Take away, remove Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. And how do you do that? Well, you you forgive others just like God in Christ has forgiven you. So God says, look, if you want to be whole, if you want to be healed, if you want your pain to be removed from your life, you must learn to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness. Now, if forgiveness extending to other people, is so valuable and so important as a part of our healing process. Would you agree that it's extremely important that we understand what forgiveness is and what it's not, right? So I'm going to take just a moment here today and help you to understand what is forgiveness according to the Bible and what is, what, what's not forgiveness, all right? Two basic things. If forgiveness, what is it? And then second, what's, what's it, what it's not, First of all, forgiveness is an event in time. It's a time you come to in your life where you say, I am either going to, at this moment, receive forgiveness or give it. You can mark it in a moment, what might be what we would call a decisive moment in your life. Second of all, it's a choice. It's not what you feel. It's not an emotion. It's a choice you make. I am choosing, notwithstanding whatever emotion I may have in the moment, I am choosing to exercise my will according to God's will and to do what God is asking me to do. Thirdly, it is a heart thing, not a head thing. You can't forgive just from your head. It has to be from your heart. In just a moment I'm going to give you the the signs of knowing how you've forgiven someone or not forgiven them from the heart. But you must understand, it has to be sincere. It can't just be something you say in your head. It has to come from sincerity in your heart. Fourthly, it's an ongoing process. That is, it's a continuing choice you have to make. I will assure you, you can forgive someone today and say, I choose to forgive them, but if you start thinking about what they did to you tomorrow and mulling on it again and turning it over in your mind what's going to happen and all those vicious emotions that you had prior to your first forgiveness of them will arise again. You have to learn to live in the process of ongoing forgiveness and that leads to it being a way of life that you learn how to live as a forgiving person not just forgiving events that you have in your life, but you live as a forgiving person so you're not accumulating offenses along the way and understand that forgiveness is a key to all relationships. It's a key to your relationship with God. It's a key to every other relationship in your life. I will tell you, if you're having relationship problems, listen to me, if you're having relationship problems either with God or with people, and those are the only two kind of relationships, I guess you can have them with your animals, I guess, I suppose, but if, you have, if you're having relationship problems with God or with people, there's a high, highly likely chance that somewhere along the line you don't understand something about forgiveness. You might understand in your head, but you're not applying in your heart. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling, okay? You don't have to feel great about someone to have forgiven them. Forgiveness is not ignoring a wrong or justifying an offense. It doesn't mean just because you've forgiven someone that you've ignored what they did to you or you justify some kind of thing they did. Forgiveness is not contingent. This is important. It's not contingent on the worthiness of someone or on the apology of someone. You don't forgive someone because they're worthy of you forgiving them. Are you worthy when you go to God to be forgiven? No, none of us are. But God forgives us in our unworthiness. And so you forgive people not on the basis of them being worthy Worthy enough and that's how a lot of people live I will forgive you when you earn my forgiveness when you're worthy enough I will forgive you or when you apologize to me I will forgive you that's how a lot of people live either they they wait for someone to meet some criteria where they're worthy enough to receive their forgiveness or for them to come with some kind of apology and boy you better believe the apology has to be exactly right or forgiveness is not going to happen. Now, forgiveness, according to the Bible, is not contingent on that at all. You can forgive someone who never apologizes to you. You can forgive someone who is totally unworthy of being forgiven. And the fourth thing, read it with me, forgiveness is not, what is it? Not, it's not optional, okay? See, a lot of people like, think of forgiveness like on the buffet line of God. I'm gonna. I don't. I don't want any forgiveness today, God. I'll take the other stuff. I don't want any forgiveness. No, thank you. God says, no. If you're gonna go down my buffet line toward healing, you're gonna have to stop and let me dish out some forgiveness on your plate. You have to learn how to deal with that. Now, I'm gonna ask you to reach down to the left-hand side of the aisle. On the left-hand side of the aisle, I want you to grab the bag there. And in that bag, I want you to get out one of these cards. All right. you have homework don't get so excited you have homework we're not going to take time to do this today because we don't have time to do this today but you're going to have plenty of time at home to do this if you'll take the time to do so do you want to be whole anybody want to be whole do you, okay you want to get rid of your soul pain, do you okay, it's about half I've to do that's good, all right Rest of you, I know you're getting down into the bags here. You got to walk the pathway called forgiveness, okay? This little card is designed to get you moving down that pathway, okay? It's called your forgiveness card. Forgiveness is something I need to either receive or give and or both. And what I want you to do is take this card home with you and get along with God at some point in time in the very near future, preferably, prefer, preferably today if you can and to begin to write down, today I choose to let go of. If there's a sin in your life that you feel like still haunts you, that you haven't received forgiveness for, then say, today I choose to let go. Write down whatever that sin is, that mistake, the thing that keeps you feeling ashamed. Write it down and say, today I'm letting go. I'm receiving God's forgiveness in my life. Or if there's someone that has hurt you or disappointed you or something you're carrying around inside of you where you feel like you need to forgive someone, do you need to make the choice to do that? Now, for some of you, this card is not going to be big enough all right okay I already know that okay so I give you permission to duplicate it you have permission to do du- because you're going to need to clear your soul out amen just take the time to do this please write it down because I've learned in my life what you write helps you clarify where you are I can't tell you how many times in my life that in my journaling process I've discovered where I was compared to where I thought I was after I wrote some things down. I look at, oh my goodness, that's where I'm at? Yeah, that's the real me. And so even if you don't tend to be a journaler, let me encourage you to write it down and write it out and put it on paper and say, I need to let go of. And here's what you're gonna do with these cards. Once you've written out the forgiveness that you either need to receive or the forgiveness that you need to give, what you're gonna do is you're gonna pray through these cards until you have a release inside where you've been able to say, I really let go of that. Now, for some of you, it'll almost be an instantaneous thing you'll write it down, you'll pray about it it'll be gone, you can throw it away, tear it up, say that's done with, I'll never go back to that, for others of you with some deeper hurts inside of you, you may have to pray through this for a week, or you might have to pray through this for a month, you might have to pray through it for the next three months or the next six months, it really doesn't matter how long you have to pray through it the key is, you need to pray through it until it's out of your life because I will assure you when forgiveness begins to flow in your heart, healing always happens on the back end of forgiveness it always happens on the back end of forgiveness and so take whatever time you need to get this out of your system but to make sure you pray it through until you've now said I have let go of this obstacle I will not let this unforgiveness either from God toward me me toward myself or me toward somebody else I will not let this remain in my life so let me just go back to one final question before we move to the next point Uh, that I wanted to cover, I mentioned a moment ago. How do you know you've forgiven somebody? How do you know that it's really done? How do you know that you've let it go? Well, you know that you've forgiven someone by what you desire of them or from them in the future. What you want from them or desire for them. In other words, if you still think about that person every time you think about them, you want them to really get their just due, you haven't forgiven them. But if you get to that place when when you think about them, what you think of is, I want them to be blessed. I want them to be strengthened. I want God's rich blessings to be upon their life. Now, would you agree, that's, if you've got some enemies and you get to the point where you're wanting them to be blessed, something miraculous has happened inside of you, right? If the people that you wanted to hurt, let me tell you why you don't forgive, is because you want them. you want somebody to pay for what they did to you. But when you get to the place where you have let that debt go and you say, God, I want you to bless them. I They all belong to you, God. But as long as you're still praying, God, go get them, I forgive them. But Lord, eat their lunch up, tear them apart, go after them, God. You say, well, it's just righteous indignation. No, it's not. It's carnal flesh, okay? But you get to that place. What do you want for the person? What do you think about when their name comes up? when somebody mentions their name what comes to your mind boy I hate that person (laughs) you smile on the outside but you just have that that stuff everybody know what stuff is on the inside okay and when somebody asks you about them what do you say about them do you have a need to say bad things about them or to undercut their character in some way see what you say and what you think and what you want for another person will tell you where your heart is in relationship to them. So how do you defeat the giant called pain? You defeat the giant called pain by what? Forgiving. Receiving God's forgiveness and also forgiving yourself and extending forgiveness toward others. Let me go to my second point today, all right? I'm going to need a little extra time today. Is that okay? I'm asking for permission. I'm actually going to take it anyway, but... uh, um, Just sort of serving you notice, all right? But it won't be a long extra time. This next point is important as well. How do you overcome pain? You turn your pain points into power points. Write it down. You turn your pain points into power points. Pain happens in life, doesn't it? Sometimes pain happens because of the stuff we do. We make mistakes. We create pain for ourselves. Sometimes pain happens because people do bad things and hurt us. Sometimes pain happens because we just live in a broken world that is waiting for Jesus Christ to come back again. The world that we live in is a broken world. You have to understand that's why there's suffering in the world. God doesn't just somehow say, I'm going to create something. No, the world suffers because it's a broken world. It's a sinful world. That's why. That's a simple answer as to why suffering is in the world. And then sometimes we suffer because God allows us to go through trials and tribulations to perfect us and to make us better. So there are all kinds of reasons that that pain will come into your life. But God is not always the author of your pain. Sometimes pain comes, as I said, for, for a lot of other reasons. But let me tell you something about God. Even when God is not the author of a trial or tribulation in your life, God still is an amazing God, isn't He? Because let me tell you what he will do. He can take, listen closely, he can take what was meant to destroy you, he can take what was meant to defeat you, he, was ma- he can take what was meant to disable you, and God, because he is God, can turn it for good in your life. You got to hear that, okay? And that was, that was actually a very pitiful applause, but you don't get a second <laughs> chance, okay? But I, uh, No, no, it's too late, okay? <laughs> but I'm gonna forgive you I'll forgive you okay? <laughs> God can take the devil's craftiest plans the devil's craftiest plans he can turn the devil's craftiest plans back against the devil now there are, again story after story we could look at I'm gonna take you to one that's the, one of my favorites I love the Old Testament character Joseph for a lot of different reasons. I love him. He's a great example. Actually, he's a foreshadowing of Jesus in the Old Testament. Great study. If you want to study about the life of Joseph, go to Genesis chapter 37. You can read forward through the end of the book of Genesis. You'll see his story. Most of us know something about his story. Joseph, when he was 17 years old, has a dream, tells his dream to his brothers. His brothers don't like his dream because it's a high and mighty dream according to his brothers. And they become very jealous and they decide to sell him into slavery. First of all, they're going to kill him and then decide to sell him into slavery. He goes down to Egypt. There in Egypt, he ends up in the house of a man named Potiphar. He begins to succeed there. Potiphar's wife uh, has, uh, has, 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 has eyes on Joseph because he's a handsome young man, tries to seduce him. Joseph resists the seduction ends up being put in prison under false accusation and goes to prison. Somebody promises to get him out of prison. They forget him and leave him there. I mean, he has one bad thing happen after another. If there's anybody in the world that ever deserved to be bitter, it was Joseph, right? I mean, had yeah, all kind of bad stuff happened. Again, I don't have time this morning to read the whole story to you. But just trust me, he had every reason in the world to be bitter. Life had given him a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. After his father dies... His brothers now, he had found out who his brothers were and his brothers had found out who he was. And by this time, Joseph had now become the prime minister of Egypt. Because let me tell you something, if you don't become bitter, God has blessings for you. If you'll not become bitter, God has blessings for you. Because Joseph didn't become bitter, he ends up making his way through all these trials and becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And of course, because of the famine down in Israel, uh, all of Joseph's brothers have to come to, to Egypt to find food, and uh, they, they, begin, they discover, Joseph discovers those are his brothers, his brothers discover those are Joseph, and of course, what are they feeling? Afraid, because they're, they're absolutely concerned that, that Joseph is going to kill them because of what they did to him earlier, and Joseph had the power to put them to death, and he had the right, at least from a, from a power standpoint, to do so. He could have executed judgment against his brothers and destroyed them. Now, his father, Joseph, I'm giving you a lot of history really, really quick. And I hope that I'm not confusing you. I hope what I'm doing is wetting your appetite to go back and study the story. But what happened was this. After Jacob, Joseph's father, died, the brothers are left all alone. And they're concerned because the only one protecting the brothers from Joseph was dad, okay? At least in their minds, okay? Now dad's gone, and so Joseph, their concern can do anything he wants to do against his brothers, Right? Because there's no buffer there. I mean, dad's going to take care of the whole family, right? But dad's gone. He's died. Now, let's go to the story in Genesis chapter 50. I'll pick up in verse number 16. Okay, how many of you are with me so far? Okay. How many of you are like totally confused? No, don't raise your hand. Okay, Okay, okay. Quick story, okay. Here are the brothers coming to Joseph. The dad's dead. The buffer's gone. So they sent Joseph a message. Before his death, your father gave this command. So the brothers say, Joseph, hey, let me remind you, before dad died, he said this. Tell Joseph, forgive your brother's sin. Daddy said, forgive us. Forgive your brother's sin, all that wrongdoing. They did treat you very badly. And then now they're saying, will you do it? Will you forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God? When Joseph received their message, what did he do? He wept. Then the brothers went in person to him. They threw themselves on the ground before him and said, we'll be your slaves. Just don't kill us, okay? We deserve to die. We, we sold you into slavery. We, we were going to kill you, but we were talked out of it. We sold you into slavery. At least don't, don't kill us. We'll be your slaves. Now, I want you to get Joseph's reply. Folks, this is amazing. Joseph replied, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Now, notice verse 20. Don't you see you planned evil against me? Now, would you agree those, those brothers planned evil against him? But God used those same plans for my... God, Joseph saying, God took all that bad stuff you were trying to do against me. God just flipped it around. He used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. As he's brought me to this place where I can be a blessing. Easy now, you have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. He reassured them, speaking with them heart." To heart. Now, would you say Joseph's a big man, isn't he? You know why he could forgive? Because he knew that God could turn evil to good. God could take what somebody had designed to destroy him and turn it for his blessing. I love this also about Joseph. Genesis chapter 41. Uh, Joseph, after he gets married, has kids. They have kids. You've got to give them a name, right? Every kid deserves a name, right? I mean, it's not good to call your kid, hey, what's your name? Okay? They need a name. So Joseph is naming his kids. Joseph named the firstborn, his firstborn child, what did he name him? Manasseh, okay? And that name literally means forget, saying, God made me forget all my hardships and my parental home. What was Joseph saying? Joseph said, hey, you know what? This boy, it just reminds me of the fact that God's been, I can forget, only God can make you forget your hardships, he has his second son. He named his second son Ephraim, which means double prosperity, saying God has prospered, pro- prospered me in the land of my sorrow. He says, God, I, I came here in sorrow, but guess what? My sorrow has turned to joy. My sorrow, yes, been difficult, but God has brought me out. See, God can turn our pain into something wonderful if we allow him to. Is it difficult? Yes, it's difficult. But God can take hurt people and heal them, and then He can use them to bring healing to other people. Healed people can become incredible helping people. I'm going to wrap up with 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul reflects on this very thing. Finding power points in your pain. What a wonderful God we have. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. That's when we go through pain, He comforts and strengthens us. And why? Paul says, Why does He do this? Why does God comfort and strengthen us in the midst of the stuff, the pain we go through? So that, circle that phrase on your notes, so that, and here's the reason, here's the purpose, so that when others are troubled, Needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them this same help and comfort God has given us. There you find purpose in your pain, see? Whatever you go through, God says, I'm going to be there with you so that when you come out of this, I'm going to use you to help somebody else. I love the message paraphrase of this. All praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. You go through pain, all this kind of stuff. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. He says there's there's a so that in both of these passages God says, when you go through pain, it's so that you can be used by me. That you can move from what I call misery to ministry. You can move from what we might call heritage to legacy. Let me explain those two phrases and we'll be just about done together. From misery to ministry. See, as long as you live in your pain, you're going to be living in misery. But when you begin to take the steps necessary for healing, what will happen is God says, now I can move you out of your misery and I can make you a vessel of ministry to other people, serving other people. I can move you beyond your heritage and allow you to create a legacy. What is a heritage? A heritage is what you've been given, right? Where you are today is your heritage, Good, bad, or indifferent is who you are, is all the measure of what's happened to you to this point in time in your life. That's your heritage. Heritage is always looking back. Legacy is what you're going to leave for those that follow behind you because you're moving not backwards, you're moving how? Forward. And that's what pain, we, that's a choice we have to make in the midst of our pain. Will we live with our heritage? Well, that's the way I've always been. This is the pain I've always had. It came from my family. My family had this kind of pain, or my family gave me this kind of pain, or this is how all my brothers and sisters are. This is the way my family history has been. We've always been people that have had this kind of trouble. It's always been like this. You can live looking back on your heritage, or you can turn things around and say, yeah, that was my heritage, but it's not going to be my legacy it's not going to be what I am because I'm going to draw a line here I'm saying you know what yes that may be my pain is a part of my past it is a part of my heritage but I'm going to draw a line in the sand I'm going to obey God's instruction and as I do I'm going to move beyond my misery who wants to live in misery life is too short to be miserable Life is way too short to go through all the rest of your days being miserable about your pain when there's a God that wants to heal you on the inside. You say, you know what? I'm going to lay claim to this promise. I'm going to receive God's forgiveness and accept this forgiveness from God myself. I'm going to forgive other people. Do they deserve it? No, they don't deserve it, but neither did I deserve to be forgiven. I'm going to forgive them freely because I don't want this junk to be inside of me any longer. I don't want to carry this kind of poison inside of my system I'm going to be free and I'm going to trust that God can take whatever has happened to me no matter how bad it's been He can turn it around against the devil himself and He can take that which the enemy meant for evil He can turn it around for good and I can trust Him with this because why? God is bigger than my pain God is bigger than my enemies God is bigger than anything that I might face in my life God, listen God is the awesome God He's the mighty God. One last statement. I'm sorry, I got to in there. <laughs> Read it with me. Don't live in yesterday. Choose to live today in ways that prepare you for your incredible tomorrows. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word today. We believe that you've spoken to us. We ask that you'll now help us to obey. I pray for people today who are struggling with shame something they did in their life that they look back on and always causes them that flush and that blush of embarrassment when they think about it they feel ashamed of it and I pray that today that they would bring it to the cross and receive forgiveness and today they would know that you have you've released them that you have forgiven them and I pray for grace in their lives to accept that forgiveness and to forgive themselves I pray for those of us today that have hurt and bitterness toward people, people who have wounded us, or we perceive that they've done things against us, or they've really done things against us, or all kind of things in life that focus in upon circumstances and people that we are bitter about. And I pray today in the name of Jesus that we would begin to move down that process toward forgiveness and release forgiveness. Show us where, God, and help us to do it. And we ask you, Lord, beginning today to turn all of our pain points into power points in our life, that we will move from ministry, from misery to ministry, and that we will move from our heritage to an incredible legacy that you have for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus. Just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus. I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, and we call on the name of his son, Jesus. There's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.